on Racing HQ, Monday's Experts, studying the form of racing's characters. Monday's Experts, he'd have always got the good oil, pity you can't put a bet on at the finish of a race. G'day and welcome back to Sky Sports Radio and also our Monday chat here. Monday's experts, the opportunity when we can find out a bit of the story behind the name. And today, my guest, if you're listening to this via podcast or live currently on Sky Sports Radio, is a name and a gentleman we've had on the program Racing HQ plenty of times, discussing his horses, his horses that uh, he and his father co-train. And I speak... Of Luke Price, and I'm looking forward to hearing his yarn today in this next little bit. Luke, welcome to Monday's Experts, mate. Morning, Dave. Good to chat with you, mate. It's a, an opportunity where we can delve into a bit of your history and, and have a yarn uh, in this next little bit. So don't feel the pressure that we have to talk about the, the horses and the track work and whether you think they can win in these races. Mate, I want to take you back right to the start. So obviously you've, you've grown up in and around the horse game with the old man being heavily involved with racing. What was your first memory, mate, and where did you grow up? Um, we grew up, I grew up in Bury. Um, I'll have to say my mother's a Robinson, so um, Kevin Robinson was my grandfather. Um, he had 12 kids. Mum was one of the six girls. I've got six uncles as well, so we we had the Bury Showground pretty much run, so if I wasn't playing rugby league at the Bury Showground, my grandfather had 35, 40 horses right next to it, and that's where I learned to ride a horse. Every day I spent there. I think um, the first three years of my life, I was brought up in the flat behind um, Pop and Nens in Bury. And before Mum and Dad built their house around the corner from the showground, and so basically it was just my life every yeah. day. You know, down the stables with my uncles, with all the stable boys, and um, if we weren't going to Kemble Grange on a sad day, we'll go on a Harold Park on a Friday night. So um, it was a good, I had a very good childhood. Yeah, mate. What was it? Well, so what was it like growing up in Berry in general, mate? I loved growing up in Berry. It, it was really quiet back in Berry. So um, you know, I was eleven years old and I was leading two racehorses around the streets to Berry. So <laughs> I look at my eleven-year-old daughter, and there's no way in the world I'd be allowing her to do that these days. So um, it's a lot different now, but you know, it's a great little town where everyone knew everyone. You know, I have a, I have a lot of cousins who I'm very close with, and obviously they were pretty involved with the horses and we're growing up too now but um they've sort of moved on to be a bit more successful in, in other avenues but um a couple of us have gone the racehorse way and it's, it was just, it's just a great upbringing you know on a sunday morning after church pop would grab us or grab three or four grandkids and he'd take six horses down to the river around the, just a half a k down the road and we would be um swimming horses on a sunday morning with pop and if it wasn't that, we'll go onto the beach and holding horses in the car park while our, our uncles gallop them up the beach. So, um, you know, we weren't far from the beach. It was, just, it was a great lifestyle. We were really well brought up. You wouldn't probably do some of the things these days, that's for sure, that we were doing when we were kids. Mm. But um, it sort of taught us to work hard and, and a lot about horses. Isn't it funny? Like, even I was thinking that the other day, like, uh, I was with a mate and, you know, our, our parents would just, you know, you'd get on the bike and you'd say, right, oh, Mum, I'll be, I'll be back later this Arvo. Yeah, I've got me, you know, 10 bucks, 5 bucks. pick up some fish. Mate, now you're dead set, yeah, no, nah, you're not going anywhere and, you know, yeah. you'd be checking in on mobile phones. It's just amazing how the world's changed. Yeah, it has. It has. I, I wouldn't change my upbringing for, for nothing, that's for sure. We, you know, we'd be up the street grabbing $2 worth of hot chips and back to Nan and Pop, they had a pool in the backyard, a great footy field or cricket field, depending what season it was, and... 
if we weren't doing that, we're doing the horses in the morning and back to do the horses in the afternoon. So, you know, I uh, I just was born and bred in racing and grew up with the horses. So um, it, it just become a natural instinct for me. What about, um, you mentioned rugby league there. So did you go, to, obviously you went to school in Berry. Yeah, went to school at Berry and um, started playing rugby league from when I was six and seven too, and I loved it. Um, I loved playing rugby league. We had the same team from a very young age, through till I was 16. I stopped playing when I was 15. I had a really bad break off a horse. I fell off a racehorse and broke my arm really badly in two places, and um, that was my career pretty much of rugby league done then. But I still love playing a bit of touch footy once I finished my riding days. But once you sort of... I ch- chose that I played a bit of rep footy sort of 13 14 and when I chose the the horse way I really concentrated on the riding then I, I wasn't getting any bigger um I sort of always was going to get a bit taller but I thought I really wanted to give it a good go at being a jockey so literally from I reckon 13 14 I, I was watching my weight and riding um every day at the fourth school and um really wanted to give race riding a go we're chatting with Luke Price this morning on Monday's Expert. So, Luke, you're in school. You mentioned him that, that crossroad you got to, that you wanted to, uh, you know, get into the riding. So at what moment did you go, right, this is it, I'm, I, I want to become a jockey? Um, oh, I reckon I got smashed at footy one weekend. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I said, gee, these kids are getting a bit bigger, 13 and 14, and they're putting the hips on you, and you, you just looked at the... You know, I just love the horses, really. I love going to the races and competing. Um, and I just really, you know, every day you live in and breathe it. it, it um, my auntie was actually married to Justin Sheen at the time, and he was just so successful riding, and I just love the feel of it. And I'll never forget, and I think I was 14 years old, and Alan Robinson um, rode 200 winners for the season on one of my grandfather's horses, State Control. And Alan grabbed me, and he took me into the jockey's room, and... He, you know, he was back then. He was a cult hero, cult figure. He was, he was such an inspiration, and I, I love the bloke. He, he really um, inspired me to be a jockey, mm. and he was just a hard-working, fantastic rider. And he took me to the jockey's room, and I just got hooked after that. Do you remember that first ride you had? I do, I do. I remember my first day at the races. Um, Dad put me on three horses at Goulburn. First one was was pretty slow which I expected as a small field, just followed him around, probably looked a bit wild on it. And then the next one, we sort of, he was only a young horse that we'd, you know, been setting up, and we thought, you know, he, he was a genuine chance. And I got beat right on the, on the last two strides. They they nutted me. His name was Bo City. Um, I'll never forget, my head went up with about 50, you know, two strides to go when the other horse went past me. And I thought to myself, I'll never do that one again, keep the head down riding. But um, the horse coming up 10 days later, same track, same trip, and he got the result. So, so I had a good start, that's for sure. That's sensational. Tell, describe to us the feeling, mate, of, of being on these horses, um, you know, in, in terms of what did you love about it? Oh, just the power, the power of the horses and just just the creature as well. You know, you learn about these. I'm still learning about these horses every day still. Um, you never stop learning about them. But they just give you this feel and you, you don't like being out of control on them. But with experience and whatnot, you can just feel that control, and it's, it's hard to explain. Um, well, obviously, a lot of riders feel it and whatnot, but it's something you just you just love doing. You know, you, you have your hard days in the rain and whatnot, and in the wind, and yeah, you, a lot of times you don't want to be there, but you just keep turning up. And look, I had a great ground, and um, I think Dad really taught me 
to work hard from a young age, um, I'll, I'll, that's something that will set me up for life and I want to do the same thing for my kids. Mate, you were one of Sydney's leading apprentices, um, you know, 110 winners. Um, tell us about your time in Sydney and, and what that did for you. I know we've sort of probably skipped a few years here from when you first sort of started to, to progressing up to Sydney, but that what did you learn about the, the animal and, and yourself? Um, probably, like my, I didn't have a huge career in the saddle, but I, like, obviously it was such a build-up and I was very successful early. Uh, I, I rode a lot of winners quickly and that was just dad was throwing me on everything, and we had the right horses for it. Then I went to Sydney, and I, I rode to Guy Walter a lot. And I, Guy was a family friend; he used to train down with my grandfather and my uncle. So um, the cattle that you're getting on there was just a total different kettle of fish. And you know, I was riding with um, Huey Bowman. Huey was just coming out of his apprenticeship, and Glenn Boss, and a lot of good riders every day. And that, that really helped and just riding for the riding the good horses and a lot of the things Guy used to do was just it really um changed my look on training horses and whatnot and um he, he was a really big player in my career now going on into the training ranks so um he, he taught me a lot. Yeah, he was an incredible man, Guy. He was. He, he was very, very patient man. Very patient. Um he was never in a rush. He had a lot of horses. At the time, sometimes there, and you know, I was lucky to sit on a lot of those nice horses he had, and and they, they that teaches teaches you as well. It takes you to another level, and that's what um, yeah I was able to do. Chatting with Luke Price on Monday's experts this morning. What about the city, mate? Um, was it hard as a young bloke to keep grounded, especially when you have that early success? Oh yeah, without a doubt. You know, I, I the first sort of while I, I travelled a lot. I travelled back and forwards a lot um, until the travelling got too much for you. What I, I did do, I had a I had a bad fall, and it, it really halted my career. Um, you know, yet it, it happened at a at a crucial time when I was sort of leading the Sydney Premiership at the time. I was actually the leading rider in New South Wales at the time, and um, with Greg Ryan. And I was, I think, it was at January. And I had the fall, and you know, yet your sort of world comes crashing down for your your parents. And at the time, I was in a pretty bad way. With the, I had a fracture to C two, I had bad head injuries. I was in a coma for a little while, and they, um, you know, I think I was in hospital for three weeks. And you sort of, I remember getting out of hospital thinking, oh, I'll be back, I'll be back June. This, this neck will heal, and I'll be back right in June. And I think I go back to the doctor three months later, and he goes, mate, you never ride a horse ever again. And that was hard to cop. I think I told for 12 to 18 months that I'd never ride a horse again. And um, I was able to get the clearance off the doctor. The bones got a bit stronger, and sort of two years, 20 months later, I made a comeback in the saddle, and I just shred a bit of weight, and it got a bit harder. You know, by then I'd turned 18, and you know, you got to learn what life was about, going out with your friends, and and whatnot, so it wasn't easy there for a while. But the move to Sydney was good when I went to guys, and then, and then just my I just I got I turned twenty one and I got bigger, and um, it just got a bit harder that way. What about uh, Luke when you decided to head to Nara? So uh, you finish your, your time in the saddle and you, you go to Nara. Was that something that you you just didn't want to get get away from the sport? I know you had the, the fall and whatnot, but why didn't you just come straight back home? Um, Oh no! I, my grandfather at the time was actually he was on he was really sick, so that was the main. I got offered plenty of jobs to stay in Sydney, and 
you know, I, I sort of say to guys, I was really keen for me to, to try different dietitians and whatnot, which I, I, I just knew my body so well. I just didn't want to push it anymore. I just was sick of wasting every day and, and sweating that two to three kilos to four kilos off some days. You just, it got too much. So, and I, I just sort of, you know, I was happy. I just wanted to be a boy. I just wanted to grow up and have a bit of fun with my friends and spend a bit of time with the family, basically. And by then, Dad had got a, a few more horses. We went from a dozen to 14 to about 30 horses once I finished riding. And, you know, I just played a, a, a role in the stable from riding and, and more a foreman's role and um, a backhand role because it, it is pretty full on when you're a jockey. So mm. you're riding six days a week. I was trying to keep myself as busy as possible. And, you know, I could have spent those last couple of months with Pop before he passed away and whatnot and, and just learned my trade a bit more. With... Uh, being a trainer and obviously having the the training um, mentality, but also then obviously understanding uh, you know how these horses work as you've sat on them. What do you feel that that brings for you? I know you and your old man do all uh, your track work or a majority of your track work, and you talk about that when you come on and we, we you do interviews. But what do you feel as a feather in your cap compared to others? Um, it can make you look silly sometimes. They get you excited, certain horses. <laughs> <laughs> you can certainly eat your own words. I wouldn't be the first one to, to um, admit to that. Like they, the horses can make you look silly, that's for sure. But, yeah, I, they can just give you that, that certain feel a horse gives you when they're going so well. Um, it's, it's the luxury that you can have. That I think there's a lot of training methods, and it's just knowing your horse so well. And when they're ready to peak, and I think, Experience just goes a long way in this game, for sure. And tell me about that, and maybe you can't put it into words, but I always get fascinated because it's something that I have never experienced and won't experience. (laughs) I won't be track galloping horses. (laughs) So you you talk about when when a horse is ready to peak, when it's ready to go. Is that uh, it's breathing? Is that it's uh, what is it about the horse? That you gives you the indication that right, okay, you're you're on song here. You're ready to go when we take you to the the races. I think they just get that spark in their eye. They start giving you that real smooth feel on, on the track. They're just doing it all down to a T. They, they just align. Everything's aligning, and they, they you can just feel it in their work. Because obviously you've got to build the horse up through their track work, and each day can be different. And you can just feel them getting stronger and fitter, and their, their head's really in the in the zone. You sort of know the horses that well. And you know, a horse like Count Rupi, I feel like he's a horse. He, he's got, had a lot of improvement in him after first up, and he's gone to that next level. He, he, every day since last Saturday, he's just given me a feel like, hey, I'm I'm ready to get better again. And I still think he's got a lot of improvement improvement in that horse. But you can sort of just get to know your horses that well. But you know when they're ready to rock and roll. We're chatting with Luke Price this morning on Monday's Experts. If you've just joined us live on Sky Sports Radio, you will be able to get this interview on podcast, of course, with our other Monday's Experts. Chats. Uh, let's talk about training with your old man. What's it like? I mean, that must be special. You've got a family of your own yeah. to to train uh, with Rob. Does there ever? And I ask this sometimes to Will Friedman. Does there ever a, uh, a, a not a clash, but a, a differing of of opinions uh, because he brings a bit of a maybe an old school approach and us younger generation coming through maybe have a little bit of a, a new idea about things and it's just a sort of melting pot of uh, info, isn't it? It is, yeah, it is. We, we of course, we, we definitely clash. Um, <laughs> Who wins? Who wins? <laughs> these days, I definitely win. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it's obviously it was. A, we used to clash a lot early days as well. Um, 
Even though he wasn't as, um, didn't know as much then, and we'll, sometimes he'd be right, sometimes I'd be wrong, you know, vice versa. So, but usually we, we work it out pretty good. We're pretty much on the same page these days. So, um, like he lets me make most of the calls up here. We'll discuss if I obviously if I get concerned, I'll discuss it with him. Um, he's always good to turn back to, and yeah, um, it, it's 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 going to happen when you. Because we've worked together for a lot of years now. I don't think many people have worked with their father for as long as I have. Um, so we've had plenty of clashes, but um, we get over it pretty quickly and, and move on. You personally, I mean, to have that uh, horse, what was it, man of choice in your first season? You had three horses, didn't you? And you had one yeah. in a group one derby. Yeah, it was, um, he, was a, he was a special horse. He was a lovely, big, strong horse. And, you know, he, he nearly won a spring champion stakes. He was, um, I thought he was a bit unlucky, so he didn't get much room up the straight, so that would have been exciting as well. So obviously this opportunity come along thanks to Bruce and Ken Noble who supported the stable so much and they bought these stables at Kembla Grange and it was a real role that, you know, Dad wouldn't have taken Kembla Grange up if it wasn't for me. He would have been happy just to stay stay down at Nara and just get smaller and smaller and once the farm was sold off as housing land, he would have probably just retired. So it was, you know, it was really for my career as well now to move up here and, and go to that next level. And then obviously to, uh, to 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 get together with uh, with Rob, um, that noble family. Gee, they've been good supporters, haven't they? Oh, fantastic! You know, we, they've just been great. Friends. They they deserve as much success with the horses as they, as they can get. You know, they they did it for a lot of years, and we, we went through a lot of slow horses, <laughs> and um, then we slowly we got better and better at it. And um, you know, the the price tags have gone up even more now. But the quality of horses there, and they're going to have a, a huge couple of years. We're chatting with Luke Price this morning. Luke, what is your best moment from a racetrack, whether it be as a as a jockey or as a trainer? What what's the one moment that uh, if we were riding the, uh, the the tombstone, which we're not, but if we were, what would you yeah. be liking to put on there? Um, I'd probably have to go with the gong. Yeah. On your home track, uh, you know, especially Brock just coming out of his apprenticeship. You know, Brock sort of. He, I mean, he was going to go to Queensland there at one stage and he, he wasn't going to come to me as an apprentice. And I said, mate, if you want to stay, I'm, I'm really more than happy to have you here because we're more friends and, and had that working relationship. And it, it was a tough sort of with COVID. We had little riders and we were putting a lot of pressure on ourselves. To, I was mainly concentrating on Count Rupee a lot and we were sort of riding 12 horses and Brock was out. And so he wasn't even able to see how the horse was going because so, I was sort of in lock down the jockeys. But just all, that all just built up. You know, he ran such a big race in the Golden Eagle, which obviously probably would have been our biggest moment if he won that. But um, just back to the home track, it was, it was a, it was, we went there very confident, both of us. The horse was spot on. Just to sort of, for it all to pan out, he drew 17 and Brock told me exactly how he was going to ride him two, three days out. And that's exactly how it panned out. So yeah, it was a bit surreal, really. But um, hopefully it's one of many more to come. There's still a lot of races I want to win and, you know, it's good to get that, that one out of the way so early when, when on your home track, get the going out of the way and hopefully we can do it again a few more times in the in the future. Do you feel like you see a lot of uh, yourself in Brock? Um, yeah. I think he, he, he used to lack a lot of confidence. He um, lacked a lot, a lot of confidence and um, he would stew on a ride for a long time and, um, I'm a bit more confident person than Brocky, but he's, he's certainly gotten a lot more confident now. He's, he's a real jockey these days. He, he talks like one a lot. He, he's full mm. of confidence. He can still be a bit harsh on himself, 
Um, even when he wins on one and he gives it a peek, he, he doesn't wrap himself up too much. But um, he, he's he's learning from the best. He's, he's going around there with the best boys every day, and like, he's out injured at the moment, which is is unluckily for him over the carnival. But or he'll be back bigger and better, that's for sure. He certainly will. We're chatting with Luke Price this morning on Monday's Experts. Luke, what about the changes in the game? Uh, you know, you've obviously have been in the game not as long as your dad, but you've seen both sides, jockeys and trainers' side. What, what do you think we need to improve going into the future? Because obviously we want the next generation of prices to come along, you know. Maybe your kids might get involved yeah, yeah. with racing or their kids. It, it's, it's, what do you think is a drama ahead, possibly? Um, I think staffing is going to be the biggest thing. Um, we've, got to, we've got to train our staff. And I think we're probably going to have to fix times up and, and start to start in that little bit later track work. It's going to get too hard for... For everyone, um, if we're starting early, it's not a hard, it's not an easy job to sell. We're starting at three thirty in the morning, um, mm. so and then some days you can go all day, and then all of a sudden Sunday racing kicks in, and you've got to go to the races all day Sunday, but you've got to be there again Monday because someone's got to feed and work the horses. So um, I think staffing is going to be the biggest thing. Is um, racing New South Wales? We put that two percent up now for them, but it's just training those staff and and whatnot, and that's. What's going to the industry needs is to bring more people to the to the fore. Is just um, having it probably a little bit more flexible for staff. With the staff issue too, I mean, from your own perspective, I mean, you obviously had a lot of staff in your area pre-COVID. Now are you struggling to get people? Um, I've just probably getting the right people too. You know, we've got I've had the, a lot of the same ground staff for a long time, but sort of the bigger I get. I need a few more extra staff as well to have that experience. Um, I'm very lucky at the moment. I've got enough riders. Um, if I've got one out injured, but she's only a week away. So, look, it's, I think all the stables are going to struggle as well. I think I saw the camera from John Sargent on Saturday and he said staffing is one of the biggest concerns at Randwick. So um, you need plenty of staff to take the pressure off you. And um, but you also need someone to keep an eye on the staff as well just so it all runs smoothly. So... Um, yeah, hopefully a few more years we'll, we'll have more staff and a good training centre for that to happen sort of thing. But there's nothing better than just on-site training as well. Mm. What about uh, Kembla, mate? I mean, that poly track they've got down there, that's been a godsend for you guys. And I guess we've spoken about this before in your racing interviews that you're very tight-knit. All of these tracks and areas are tight-knit. I mean, they're your, your close work colleagues. So... For you to see the success of Kerry, uh, et cetera, from that particular area, that must also give you all a boost. Oh, no doubt. You, know, you talk to talk to everyone every morning, so it, it gives you here such a here such a thrill to think it over. Um, you know, the horse that you know he's, he was a bit naughty early days, and Kerry just stayed consistent with him, placed into a tee. He's, he placed the horse to perfection every start, and then it was obviously it was very gut wrenching that he he done attended the horse. So now, hopefully, they can get him back to the, the track. But um, it's a, yeah, we've got a great community here at Campbell Grange. You know, there's. Oh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what um, racing New South Wales has got in store for the place. They keep telling us our bee grass is going to be done up soon. So once that once that's done up, this could be really good for the area. We could all, all of a sudden have a, a track that could be night racing, like on a Thursday night and mm. after an evening, evening racing, something like that. And they get, I think they're going. They've got about 400 stables set to be built here in the future. So. That could just bring more more people to the area, more trainers to the area, and hopefully that brings yeah more money to to racing as well because the prize money just keeps going up and getting better. 
Um, now they start spending a bit more on infrastructure, and um, we're, we're looking all right, that's for sure. Exactly right. One thing we, I mean, we always talk about Newcastle loving their horses and Nova Castrians getting to the race club and supporting it, but Kembler is the same. When we have race meetings down there, you'll always get a crowd uh, at uh, at Kembler and Wollongong and that South Coast. So, I mean, it's working class. Uh, they've, oh, grown, yeah. they've grown up. They love rugby league and they love racing. Yeah, exactly right. They do. They really do. And like you go to, we go down to the, the league's club for a beer on a Saturday afternoon if we're not racing and they, they just enjoy it all the time when, when we get into the races next. So I've just started training for a bunch of young fellas, um, JJ Racing, and they just love it. They had a bit of a day out here at Kembler on Saturday. They got a couple of small shares in horses and they've just gone out on their own and bought another one and them blokes just absolutely thrive on racing and that's sort of what you need for the area and you want to get the people to the races and have that atmosphere and it's sort of slowly starting to come back. That's what you want too. You want that uh, that younger generation, don't you? You do. You do. You know, you want, you know, I think the carnivals have been so well promoted um, and obviously it gets a bit lean over, over the winter periods but um, you just feel it's starting to come back now to the races but you want to keep generating that younger generation to the races and just have that real good infrastructure at the races so we're getting good racing, good services and make it pleasurable for everyone, really. Chatting with uh, Luke Price this morning on Monday's Experts. Right, Luke, before we wrap it up, these two horses. I mean, we talk about to count to Rupee. Are you excited to see him on Saturday again? Um, no, he's not going this Saturday. He's not going this Saturday? I'm, um, I'm holding him back. He'll, he'll, okay. Yeah, we'll hold him back to the tramway. Um, Jamea goes this Saturday. He's a horse that's absolutely flying. Um you know, 1,100 might be a touch too short for us that day, but she'll be very, very strong weight. Um, Tommy was more than happy with the trial here um, Wednesday morning. She, she looks tremendous in herself. She's a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger. So I, I just we just got our fingers crossed that the tracks stay dry this spring and, and she's in for a massive spring. So if we did get rain in Sydney um, or if we got rain elsewhere, you're, you're prepared, you know, have horse, we'll travel, so to speak. Yeah. Without a doubt, yep. obviously she's quite a valuable filly anyway. But um, there's Group One races in Melbourne coming up to the carnival, so it's dry down there. And we have to chuck her on a truck and get her down there. She travels really well. She's a very laid back filly. She's around the stable. You know, she can be cranky as all hell, but um, she's actually a very, very good traveller, and she settles into places really quickly. So she's a she's a quality filly. Um, who's very exciting, and obviously our first Group Two winner, her first million dollar horse winner too. So. Um, she's always going to hold a special place in the stable, and I just think we she, we haven't seen the best of it yet. The exciting thing too is um, you mentioned she is valuable. I don't know what the the ownership group will do, but she could also be the type of horse that you know. And you'll know you're getting old when this happens, mate. When you start yeah. possibly training her kids, well, without a doubt, yeah, there's no doubt. Um, that's something that the owners can think about. That's their decision. Obviously, she's a, she's a beautiful filly, and um, hopefully, we can keep her racing for as long as possible and keep her sound and well and. Yeah, she'll look after her after, for sure. Before I wrap it up, what would a young Luke Price, or what would a, what would you say to the, to a young Luke Price if he was here with you right now? Um, keep your head down, work hard, stay focused, and um, you'll have a very successful. If you want something enough, you'll you'll get it. That's for sure. I've had a, I believe you you can do what if you work hard, you can do whatever you want, and you can achieve what you want to do. So, yeah, I'd say just stay focused and keep your head down, work hard, and yeah, anything's possible. 
champion, mate. Look forward to catching up with you soon. We'll be on the road again uh, for many, many a trips, and you always support these country cups. You were great there in Wagga. You went up to Scone, and uh, you're always a pleasure to chat to on Sky Sports Radio. Thanks for spending the last little half an hour with me, mate. No worries. Thanks, Dave. Luke Price, our Monday's experts, and, of course, that full chat will be up on podcast as we speak. It'll be up there very soon, along with all of our other Monday's experts. Isn't it great to just hear a different side to our guests that we have on every week. And what a great family uh, that Price family are.